Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. All right, we're in Seeing Beyond the Scene, the Seen Unseen, part two. This is it. We're going to finalize this two-part series tonight. And if you were here last week, I'm sure you got blessed. I got blessed teaching this message last week and introducing this series. Um, I know we got a lot, a lot of feedback. If you were not here, if you did not, were not able to hear the first message, part one, please, 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 go online, go to our media page, go listen to it. Uh, you watch it, you can watch it. We actually have the video uh, there now. It's uh, newbeginningsnj.org and then click on the media, uh, the latest message, and it'll, it'll give you last weekend's message. All right, most of us go about our business on a daily basis with very little idea of the unseen spiritual forces that are at work in our life. We get affected by them, but we don't see them, and because we don't see them, we don't realize what's happening to us. We think it's from people, we think it's from Circumstance. Sometimes some of us blame God. And the fact is that there is an unseen realm of the spirit that is much more alive and much more real than what you and I see here in our natural surroundings. The Bible tells us, and this is a review from last week, very short one, and then we're going to finish this up. The Bible does tell us that there is a spiritual world that exists, and that maybe sometimes through our lives on an everyday basis, sometimes from time to time, realities from that realm affect us, both good and bad. So because of this, we're encouraged in the Word of God to be watchful, to be prayerful, to be prepared, to be aware. Just as God rules the world that we see, He also rules the unseen world, and you need to know that. And so being constantly aware of this fact is a major weapon of warfare. He sees the seen beyond the unseen. Last week we made our kind of like major focus on one particular incident that's recorded for us in the Old Testament, in 2 Kings chapter 6, we have a story about the king of Syria. The king of Syria is making war against the king of Israel. Actually, king of, uh, the, the, the kingdom of Syria is right next to what we today would call northern Israel. It was no different back then. The same, the same enemy that was attacking God's people then is attacking God's people now. It's just a couple thousand years later. And so the scenario here is this. I don't want to take the time to read all through this. You can. You can watch it online. The king of Syria makes plans to attack the king of Israel, attack his armies. And there's a prophet in Israel. His name is Elisha. And Elisha is so in tune with that realm of the spirit. He's so in tune with the Holy Spirit. He's so in tune with the voice of God that God is able to speak to him and tell him exactly what the king of Syria is planning and, and one of his servants says, my king, the words that you speak in your bedroom, Elisha hears. He's that in tune with the Spirit of God. And so Elisha is able to warn the king of Israel, don't send your army to such and such a place. Don't go to this pass or don't go to that, on that road. Don't go to those areas because that's where the armies of the king of Syria are. And every single time, the armies of Syria get thwarted. And so finally... This king says, the king of Syria says, okay, I got a spy in my house. And he gets his little staff together and he wants to know, okay, who's the one that's telling the king of Israel my plans? And he says, no, it's this prophet. And so they say, okay, send an army to go get this guy. Because as long as this Elisha is operating this way, I'm never going to be able to win in this attack on the kingdom of Israel. And so if those of you who are here, or maybe you're familiar with the story, uh, the servant says he's in the city of Dothan, which is in northern Israel. And so he sends an army 
by night. Elisha and his servant, they're in, uh, in his house in the quarters in some place in the city. They wake up the next morning, and the servant goes outside and looks, and behold, the city is surrounded by this massive army with chariots and powerful war horses and things of this nature, and he just panics. He freaks out. And he says to Elijah, come here, I come to the window. Look what we got going on over here. And Elisha says to him, classic, don't be afraid. There's greater are those who are with us than those who are there outside. And, and the servant goes, the old man's lost it because there's only two of us and there's thousands out there. And then Elisha prays a very simple prayer. He prays to the Lord, said, Lord, open up the eyes of my servant that he may see the scene beyond the unseen, that he may see into the realm of the spirit. And sure enough, the servant's eyes are open and he sees there's this mountain that this city is founded upon is surrounded by horses and chariots of fire, well, well able to defend Elisha. And that is the reality that we're talking about here, that there is a realm of the spirit that just because you can't see does not mean doesn't exist. There's a realm that God is working in behind the scenes, and it's not, it's not a far, far away. It's not uh, on the other side of the universe. This realm exists right around us. There's a thin veil that separates this natural world from the supernatural world. And that's where our help comes from. So, so many of us live our lives and we determine reality by our physical senses. If we can see it, if we can hear it, if we can feel it, if we can smell it, if we can touch it, taste it, it must be real. Elisha's simple little prayer opened up that man's eyes to see into a realm that had been completely hidden from his eyes. Now, we talked about this a lot last week and I, I really can't go into it. Elisha went to bed that night already confident that he was been, he's been protected, already confident that God's got his back, already confident that as long as he's following God and doing what God's commanded him to do, he's going to be protected. The servant was gripped with fear. Now, what I want you to keep in mind is those horses, angels, chariots of fire, they didn't show up when the servant's eyes opened. They were already there. Elisha was already aware of what God was doing and how God was protecting him. And so it gave him the confidence to walk out a very difficult journey. You know, it's not an easy thing when you're hearing from God and God's telling you the plans of your enemies. They did exactly what would have been expected to do. They tried to come and kill him and remove him off the scene. And so if we train ourselves to live by faith, and that faith has to be in God, that faith can't be in ourselves, that faith has got to be in God, then all that is available from God becomes very alive to us. Even when we can't see it with human eyes. If we'll grasp this reality, the end result will be that we will live like Elisha and not like the servant. That's my prayer. That we would live like Elisha with the confidence to know, just because I can't see my help, just because I can't see the provision, just because I can't see my answer to prayer, doesn't mean it's not there. You know, if I could use this illustration, you know, visionaries have an amazing knack for seeing what other people can't see. And many of us, I don't know about you, but many of us would love to have the ability of, you know, Chip and Joanna Gaines. How many of you know who that is? Fixer Upper? Now the rest of you don't want to raise your hand. They have this knack, they have this ability, they have this gift, they can walk in to this dilapidated shack and just survey the grounds 
And then next thing you know, they took this beautiful mansion, this beautiful, I mean, the house, just every detail covered. That is a visionary. That's a visionary. Now, not, not all of us have that natural gift, but all of us can be visionaries in the spirit. All of us can believe God for us to know beyond our natural sight what is available to us. Now, this is exactly how God's created us. But if you don't believe that, if you're constantly uh, demeaning yourself, if you're constantly uh, looking at things in a negative sense, if you're constantly thinking that, well, maybe so-and-so has that gift, and maybe, maybe the other person, maybe this person, that person, the other person, maybe, you know what, you know, they're so much closer to God than I am. So, you know, they, it'd be natural that they'd have that kind of gift. No, no, honey, listen, it's about faith. It's about faith. It's about having the faith in God to believe that if he needs you to see something, he'll show it to you. He'll show it. He'll make you aware on the inside of things. I wish I had more time. I could go into example after example. Now let's talk about Abraham. Abraham is known as the father of faith. When God first spoke to Abram, God told him to leave everything Abram was familiar with, everything he was, watch this, everything he was used to seeing and everything he was used to experiencing. God told him, I want you to pull away from this. I want you to leave this area. And I'm going to take you somewhere that I'll show you. Well, that doesn't help me. Where are you taking me? I'll show you when we get there. But where are you taking me? I'll show you when I get there. God had an expectation for Abraham to obey his command. And so in Genesis chapter 12, we find, now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Okay? But it doesn't happen until he gets to that place that God will show him. So Abram, Abram's got a picture in his, in his heart, in, in, in his imagination, of what it's like to be this person that God said he's going to make him, but it's going to require some obedience. It's going to require for him to walk out some things that are unseen. Genesis chapter 12, verse 4. Now I want you to listen to this very closely. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot, who which was his nephew, went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and, and, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of where? Canaan. Watch now, follow this closely. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, which is in, in northern Israel. And came to the land of Canaan. Look at this, verse 6. Abram passed through that land, and he went to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Marah, and I'm sure they knew who, what that meant, where that was. And look at the next phrase. And the Canaanites were then in the land. Now hold on to that. Verse 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now follow me here. God said, I'm giving it all to you. This is where you're going to live. This is where you're going to raise your children. This is where you're going to feed your flocks. Okay, God. But the Canaanites are here. In other words, um, there's enemies in the land. Yeah, he knew that. God knew that. And there's sometimes that you and I are going to be called by God 
to be put into a position where we have to see beyond our enemies. We have to see beyond our obstacles. We have to see by faith beyond the hindrances, whether they're natural or whether they're spiritual. Didn't you, don't, don't we think that God knew that the Canaanites were in the land? Of course he did. It wasn't a mistake. God brought him and said, this is the land I'm giving to you. Yeah, but you know, there's other people live here. Don't worry about that. You keep your faith in me, you keep your trust in me, and no matter what enemies rise up, no matter what obstacles rise up, no matter what kind of hindrances, no matter what kind of fear tactic, no matter what kind of intimidation that the enemy launches against you, you and I, by faith, are going to have to see beyond the obstacle, beyond the Canaanites, beyond the fear, beyond the lack of education, beyond the lack of finances, beyond maybe the temporary setback in health. You and I are going to have to allow him to cause us to see the scene that's unseen. You're going to have to see beyond those things, and you're going to have to see beyond those things affecting you. God challenges us to see beyond what is seen. And sometimes we're purposely put into the position where it seems like, I can't do this. It's like this reason and that reason, and, and this is wrong. And, and, and you, don't you, God, don't you know that I don't like doing this, and, and you know, I'm not comfortable doing that? And he's like, yeah, I know. That's why I put you in this position. Now watch this now. We can do this. We've been created with the ability to be able to see the unseen. We've been created with the ability, watch this, listen to me, and listen to me close because I don't want anybody going out of here misunderstanding this tonight. We have been created with the ability to imagine. You cannot operate in faith unless you are able to imagine. Imagine what it's going to be like when that prayer is answered. Imagine what it's going to be, what life is going to be like when God brings that thing, that person, that whatever, that opportunity. If you can't see it, you can't have it. Come on. But now watch this. We're so good at that without even realizing it that sometimes the ability to see in the unseen, if we're not careful, can be used against us. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. When Jesus had, crossed, had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came to him and said, saw Jesus, fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her that she may be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. While he's on the way to Jairus' house, this woman shows up who's been bleeding for 12 years. You guys know the story. If you don't, go read it because I can't have time. I don't have time here tonight to go into this interruption. But it's an interruption. It's an interruption. Let me read you the rest. We pick up in verse 35. Now, Jesus ministered to this woman. She gets healed. The bleeding stops. Everybody's happy. But Jairus is still hanging around going, uh, you know, I'm glad she's healed. But my daughter's dying. She's had this for 12 years. She couldn't wait another day. So while Jesus is still speaking, some people come from his house and say to him, your daughter's dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Jesus overhears what they say. Jesus turns around to him and says to him, do not, don't be afraid, just believe. What's he doing? He's trying to grab 
Jairus' attention and tell him, do not stop seeing your daughter healed. That news came to shake him off of and to give him another picture. That news came to change his sight. That news came to give him another picture to imagine. And I bet you, for a split second, he's starting to plan her funeral. And Jesus grabs a hold of him and says, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. Most of you know the story, they get to the house. Jesus sees a commotion, there's people crying, they're wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him, why? Because they couldn't get the picture. They had already purpose in their hearts. They came to mourn this young lady. And because he realized, I'm not going to get them to change their sight, he puts them out. And the only people that are allowed to go in the house with him is Peter, James, and John. He goes in there. He takes the father and the mother with those disciples. He goes in where the child was. He takes her by the hand and he says to her, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stands up and she begins to walk around. And she, the Bible says she was 12 years old. And they were completely astonished, of course. Now watch this now. Has anybody in here ever had to bring a sick child to the emergency room? Then you know what, it's like. you know what Jairus felt like. They're taking their time. You know, your child is, 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 is deathly ill, and the nurses are having conferences, and they're talking to each other, fooling around, eating snacks. Could you imagine what Jairus felt like? You know, come on, Jesus, come on. That fear that tries to take hold of you. That fear, listen to me, church, that fear will always try to formulate a picture in your mind of doom and gloom and disaster and death. Jesus wanted to stop that process. She had, look, it's very obvious that Jairus had faith in Jesus. It's very obvious, obvious that Jairus had entertained within him this picture of Jesus coming to the house, either placing his hands on her or speaking to the sickness or something. All he knew was this. I'm going to get Jesus because I, I am convinced that my daughter's going to live and not die. And then that news came. And Jesus steps in. said, don't let go of that picture. Don't let go of it. Don't let go of it. Hold on to it. Some of us have, have had a picture of what our marriage is supposed to be like. Some of us have had a picture of what our kids were supposed to grow up to be like. Some of us have had a picture that we've been carrying around years about a career, a business, a, a job, whatever. Don't let go of the picture just because every obstacle in hell has presented itself before you. Don't let go of it. Don't let go of it. Now listen, again, we're so good at this that sometimes it works against us. I want to take you back to the Old Testament again, 1 Kings. This time we're talking about Elijah. Would you say that with me? Elijah. This is a man who mentored Elisha. Okay? So we're picking up here in 1 Kings chapter 19. Now, what you've got to understand is there's a battle that's gone on. Elijah has stood up against this King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, who was just completely demon-possessed. 
She hates God. She hates the people of God. She's out to destroy all the people of God. She's out to destroy every prophet of God. She's going to shut down worship to the true God. Elijah has the opportunity to confront all these false prophets who are worshiping Baal and worshiping all these other idols. He kills hundreds of them. We pick up in this chapter now, in, verse, in, in chapter 19, verse 1, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Verse 2, I want you to pay close attention to this. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. What happened now? Jezebel found out what happened to her prophet, the people that, she, that were on her payroll, that she's paying to counter the true worship of God. The king, her husband, tells her, Elijah has wiped out all of your prophets. She's enraged. She sends a messenger with a message. Say this with me. A messenger with a message. To Elijah. And this is what the message said. So let the gods do to me and more also. If I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. In other words, within 24 hours, I'm going to chop you to pieces just like you chop my prophets to pieces. It's a message. Whether it came vocally, whether the messenger repeated it, or whether it was on a piece of paper, it's a message. And watch this. Look at verse 3. And when he saw that, so what? It's a message. And when he saw that, what happened? He arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. In other words, he went so far south in Israel and left his servant there. But he himself went another day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a tree. And he prayed that he might not die and said, it is enough now. Lord, take my life for I'm no better than my father's. Wait a second, Elisha. Elijah, just yesterday you killed, if I'm not mistaken, 600 people, 600 prophets, false pagan worshipers. You weren't afraid to go against them, one man against all these others. But now what happened? When that message hit him, he saw that. He saw what? He saw himself being chopped up. His imagination turned on him. He allowed a picture to be formulated that struck terror in the heart of this man who just days before had proven himself so courageous and so zealous for God. We got to be very, very mindful of this, that we make sure that we are guarding our mind, that we are guarding what we hear, that we are not allowing things that come from the enemy to, to formulate a picture within our hearts that we're going to have to contend with. And then when you start speaking out what you think is going to happen, now it takes a life of its own off. You listening to me? This is powerful stuff. We live this day in and day out. God created us with the ability to see the unseen and to imagine. But if we don't see through the eyes of faith, it can become a tool of the enemy. Elijah, all Elijah had to do was to dismiss, was to renounce, was to refuse to receive that picture of him being slaughtered. He should have stayed in faith. He should have continued to trust God. Instead, what does he do? He gets a hold of this. It strikes terror in his heart. And he runs. He runs. Let's be very aware, church. Because listen, our faith is always tied to our imagination. And listen to this part. And our imagination must see 
beyond obstacles. I'm going to say it again. Our faith is always tied to our imagination. And our imagination must see beyond obstacles. Your ability to see into the realm of the unseen, your ability to see the seen unseen is going to be tied to your faith. Every single time. Every single time. Listen to Hebrews chapter 11. Are you getting anything tonight? Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Look at the next verse. The evidence of things not seen. Our faith is tied to the unseen. And, and some of us still, oh my God, some of us still walk around. Well, you know, Pastor, when I see it, I'll believe it. No, honey, you got it backwards. If you don't believe it first, you're never going to see it. You believe first then you see in the natural. Your faith is tied to what's unseen. Your faith is tied to a promise that was written down thousands of years ago. Your faith has got to be active. Your faith has got to be in, in God's ability to bring to pass what he said he's going to bring to pass, regardless if you never see any evidence of it right now. In fact, you very rarely ever see any evidence right then and there when you pray. If you had it already, what would you need to pray for? Oh, when I, you know, when I get it, I'll pray. No, what are you going to pray for then? You got it already. Does this make sense, anybody? Verse 3, now watch this. Oh, verse 2, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. But for by what? For the, for the ability to believe in the thing that's not seen. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. God even himself operated by faith. God himself called into that which was, did not exist yet and brought it into, 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 into manifestation. He brought it into being. He said we can operate the same way. Do you see, if you claim that you're a person of faith, if you claim that you have faith, if you claim that you believe God, then you have got to actively, actively, be imagining what it's like. Jairus came to Jesus with an image on the inside that his daughter is going to live. The woman with the issue of blood that interrupted this whole process went to Jesus with a picture she said with her mouth, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. So what, she, she couldn't say that without having the picture beforehand. She saw herself reaching out. She saw herself receiving. She didn't know exactly how it was going to happen. All she knew was this. If I could just get to the fringe of his robe, I am going to leave healed. The answer to your prayer may be invisible to you, but it is not invisible to God. The answer to your prayer resides in the realm that can only be seen by faith and through faith. So here's what I'm going to charge you with. So see yourself at that job, at that desk. See yourself in that pulpit. See yourself in that house. Start seeing yourself with that husband, that wife, those children. Start seeing yourself telling one person about Jesus. Then start seeing yourself leading a small group of individuals. 
Then start seeing yourself teaching hundreds. And then start seeing yourself teaching thousands if that's a desire of your heart. But if you don't see it first, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be the fa a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. Abram means father. Abraham is father of nations. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of you. And kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. God steps in and says, okay, Abram, you've obeyed me up until this point, but now it's time. We've got to bring you to a new level. It's time to raise the bar. And listen, God's always doing that in our lives. I don't know if you realize that or not. He never lets you stay at one level of faith. I wish he would sometimes. I wish he would sometimes. But once we get to one place, once we, once we attain that one level of faith that it takes for the next move of God in your life, for the next season that you're in, as soon as you get settled down, it's, all right now, come on. So he changes his name. Why? Because Abram, if he doesn't get a new picture on the inside, is never going to fulfill what God has called him to. God called him to be a great nation, but he called him when he had no children. So everybody's calling him father, father, father. He doesn't even have one child yet. Now all of a sudden God says, I'm changing your name. Why? So that a picture could be formulated. Because every time his family members called him Abraham, every time his servants referred to him as Abraham, what did it do? Stirred that picture. I'm the, I'm the father of nations. Nations are going to come from my descendants. Are you listening? God needed to change Abraham's picture. God needed Abram to see beyond his wife being barren. God needed a different picture. All, the only picture that Abram has of his wife from this point, up until this point, is a person that can't bear any children. That picture needed to change. God changed it from father to father of many nations. In order to get Abraham starting to see himself as a father of an entire nation rather than a small family unit, his name was changed. As we walk with God, he challenges us to see more and more. He brings us from glory to glory. Don't get comfortable where you're at. Don't get comfortable. Let him expand your present sight line. Let him expand your vision. He delights in broadening in our horizons. Jesus, on many occasions, told the disciples, told the disciples, guys, open your eyes. You remember when he went to, the, to, the, to Samaria, to the woman at the well? He has this whole conversation with her, and then she leaves and goes into the village and tells all the men, hey, I, I think I found the Messiah. This, this guy just told me everything that went on in my life. And so all this whole multitude of people come out of the village, come out to the well where Jesus is sitting, and the disciples have come back because they went to get some food, so they come back. And then Jesus says to them, look at the harvest. Lift up your eyes. The harvest is ripe. 
And, and I'll picture this again. Again, I always tell, I always remind us, when we read any of these stories in the Bible, put yourself in there. Put yourself in that scenario right now. We're standing, here's the well. Jesus is sitting on, on, on the little wall there. His disciples have come back and they've got some food. And we look up and all of a sudden we see this multitude coming out of this village. And he says to them, lift up your eyes. Look at the harvest. He wasn't talking about the field. He wasn't talking about some garden. He's talking about all those people. There's your harvest. He's saying to them, open your eyes, change your eyesight, see what is unseen. All they saw was a bunch of men coming out of the city. All that Jesus saw was souls coming to him. Open your eyes of your heart, Jesus would say to us, and open the eyes of your heart and see what I see. See people the way I see them. See your health the way I see it. See your marriage the way I see it. See your children the way I see them. See your finances the way I see them. So many of us curse our own finances. We're always telling them that they're not enough. And then, we, then, we, then we're surprised when they're not enough. You've been telling them all your life they're not enough. Oh, that's ridiculous. You can't speak to things. Oh, you can't speak to a checkbook, huh? You can't speak to your account on the, uh, online? You can't speak? To, Jesus spoke to a fig tree. And it listened. Get a picture of having more than enough. Get your picture on the inside. Develop it. Allow God to, develop, allow God to put a picture on the inside of you being successful. I mean filthy successful. Not so that you can, oh, look at me, all I have. No, so that people will bless you and bless your name and bless your memory when you're gone because of how much you helped others that were in need. Get a picture of having a marriage that's, that's just full of contentment. Get a picture of being in good health. Get a picture of God using you to, to, to bless people, to, to bring them into the kingdom, to see them get healed, to see somebody jump off a hospital bed that the doctors have given up. Get a picture. If it doesn't exist in here, you'll never walk it out out here. Are you listening to me? There is a scene behind the scenes that God calls us to. And he wants us, listen, especially in this day that we're living in right now, because right now you're going to go home tonight, you turn the TV on, and man, you're going to get bombarded with everything that's negative, everything that's filthy, everything that's selfish, everything that's greedy. You're going to get bombarded with this stuff. You're going to get bombarded with the needs of people. You're going to get bombarded with how bad the condition of the world is. And you'll become so obsessed with this that you'll forget, wait a second, there's a realm of the unseen that is very much aware of what's happening here, very much aware of what's happening in the natural. There is a provision in that unseen realm that if you and I will believe God by faith, we can bring it from that realm of the unseen into the seen and it manifests. Come on, people. God's counting on us. The people in your life that don't know him are counting on you. There's a world out there that is desperate to know truth. They're desperate for hope. They're desperate for somebody to live this thing out and prove that it's true. Get a picture on the inside of you being a blessing to people. God will give you every opportunity to walk it out.
Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's not forget this. Let's not, let's not lose this. This is the way we're supposed to live. We live in two kingdoms. In the natural, we live on this planet. In the spirit, you and I are seated at the right hand of God with Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Amen? Stand up, everybody. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.